Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Senan. Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York. Today we have Irvin Sonia on the show. Irvin is a longtime New Yorker and a resident of Stytown, a large residential complex in Manhattan. A soccer coach and the director of Manhattan Kickers Soccer Club, Irvin was out of a job since the pandemic gripped the city earlier last month. Ever since, he has been on a mission to help people in his neighborhood. In this episode, Irvin shares what keeps him going, why he's still upbeat and positive, despite the challenges he and his family face, and what our listeners can do to help their neighbors during this crisis. Welcome, Irvin, to the show. Hi, Anu. Thank you for having me in your first podcast. You know, I'm honored and I feel no pressure. (laughs) So tell us a bit more about yourself. Uh, Well, I was born in France, in Brittany, in the early 70s. I lived in the countryside. My parents uh, were artists and kind of hippies. Uh, My dad was a potter. My mom was a painter on silk and a sculptor. We lived in a farm, in a stone house that they built themselves. We fished, we hunt, we poached, we trapped. You know, we picked up flowers that we sold on the side of the road to make a couple bucks and buy a few things. But we were pretty much, you know, on our own independent. I was born with cleft palate, which was, you know, a different experience. Uh, Being in the countryside with a lot of farms around and... It was difficult, you know, people bullied me and I had to, you know, be extra strong to prove myself all the time. And uh, that's when I got into soccer and I started playing the game against my parents' will. I would bike to practice when I was eight years old to to play. So I was in, you know, in pretty good shape compared to the other kids because I would bike four miles to go, four miles to come back and practice. So I became a, a really good player went through the academy system in France and uh, ended up playing professionally. At 21 years old, I had an accident with my knee on the field and broke my uh, ACL. I ended up uh, having surgery and it turned bad because they messed up the surgery, you know, the anesthesia. So I ended up in a wheelchair for eight months total. So I was in a center with people who had car accidents and things like that. And I I knew already what it is to, you know, suffer, be in pain and need help. And, but this, you know, was a second coat on needing help and needing people to, you know, learn everything again. I mean, I was basically paralyzed my whole right side from head to toe. So I had to relearn to write, to walk, to go upstairs, to talk. So it was a long process. I came out of it at 23 years old, took a year and a half total to get back on my feet. And from there, I went back to college. My soccer career was over. And I studied languages, translation, Spanish and English, business. And then I moved to Paris where I started uh, modeling, which was for me like a revenge. You know, after kids threw rocks at me because I was ugly and then I was in a wheelchair. And finally, I could be on magazine covers. So that was kind of cool. I did that for a few years. Then I worked in retail. And retail brought me to New York City, where I came to open, uh, you know, a luxurious French brand store uh, in Soho in 1999. I worked in that company for four years. We built a big business in the U.S. We opened eight stores, so I got to travel. And, you know, at first I was coming for three weeks and it turned out I'm still here 20 years later. 
So that brings us to 2003, where my partner in business, uh, you know, things turned bad. He got rid of me and I ended up without a job. We, in the meantime, I got married with my wife in 2002. We got our son, Julian, who's now 17, who's what I call a September 11 baby. Uh, I was conceived in actually October 2001. <laughs> and after being unemployed, we moved to Stuyvesant Town in 2003. And I started going out every day, juggling my soccer ball. And some kids started to come around and kick the ball with me, never heard of soccer. And I was like, wow, okay. So I started doing soccer classes for free for any age group. I started with eight kids. And uh, after a few months, I had 300 kids. So I have to now do a schedule by age groups every day. I was actually hired by Stuyvesant Town Peter Cooper to run those soccer classes which gave me a job, which was great, which got me to meet everyone in the community. And then I got approached by Manhattan Kickers Soccer Club, which is a soccer organization for youth in the neighborhood that back then had a few teams and had a recreational program. Uh, I started as a soccer coach and uh, it's been you know a long time. And now I'm program director. I'm fortunate to work with people who are passionate about the game and you know, I have a president, Karen Feuer, who's amazing, who's really supporting me. So I run the program. I try to reproduce what I did in France as a player when I went through those academies. So it's recreational, it's travel, it's competitive, it's fun, it's soccer, but it's also life lessons on don't bite your fingers, I mean, don't bite your nails, don't spit, don't curse, be sportsmanship, shake hands, respect the ref. It's also, uh, you know, it's not just teaching soccer. Basically, we are like, life teachers to these kids. And that brings us to what I'm doing today. I'm club director. I work full-time for Manhattan Kickers. And um, my wife works in the garment district in a big showroom where they represent different lines that they sell to department stores. And my son is now uh, 17 years old, waiting to go to college, uh, supposedly in August. Wow, that's an inspiring story. From the village in France to New York City, I am very impressed with what you told me. There's a lot to learn from you, Irvin. Tell me, how has this crisis affected you? Well, uh, things started for us um, February, no, March 12, actually. I had my last practice indoors with 12-year-old boys. And before the practice was over, some parents came in the gym and picked up their kids and told me, there are cases of COVID-19 at uni school. The kids are going to that school. We don't want the kids to be exposed. We're taking them out. And the parents were freaked out. I was barely aware of, you know, I heard about the COVID-19, but I was like, okay, this is weird. This was pretty intense. And that's March 12. On March 16, I shut down the club. I decided I didn't want to take a chance to expose any of the kids to an eventual virus. Uh, take any risk because it's about health, life or death. I can't, you know, take a chance. So the club got shut down pretty early. My wife lost her job a week after that because that industry really suffered from, you know, people not shopping, of course. The online, the online shopping took over, but it's not enough to sustain showrooms and department stores. I mean, you can see in the news all these stores closing and bankrupting. And so she got affected early too. You know, she's unemployed right now and we're hoping things will settle early so she can find a job again. My 17-year-old is, you know, freaking out about college, of course, 
because things are postponed by the day. Right now, you know, we're hoping he's going to be able to go in August, maybe September, and have a start his college before the end of the year. Now we hear it might be in 2021. So it's a lot of stress. I mean, again, he's a 9-11 baby, and he's not going to get the prom. He's not going to get, you know, uh, the senior year trip and all of that stuff. So for him, it's difficult. It's stressful. Like for all of us, I believe. I'm really sorry to hear this. It's definitely not easy. But what prompted you to reach out and help others? You know, as you can understand, I, you know, I, I've taught most of the kids that are from six years old to now almost 30 years old. Uh, at one point, I, I was their coach or they know me from soccer. Uh, so I know a lot of families. I have a lot of friends in the community. And I realized I have neighbors that are elderly or disabled or who have nobody. And I knew they needed help right away, that they would be scared to go out. So I, you know, I offered my help to a neighbor and I saw how much it meant to her. I said, look, I know there's other people like her. I got to go out there and offer my help to whoever needs it. So that's how it, you know, how I started helping people. I put an ad on the Stuyvesant Mam website. And I started having calls and emails and texts. And, you know, I was kind of overwhelming at first, but I turned out great. I'm, you know, I'm picking up laundry, dropping it off. I'm doing a lot of grocery shopping. So I'm, you know, used to waiting in line at Trader Joe and other stores. I go to the post office. I go pick up prescription, walk dogs. I, I do some handy jobs if people need to, you know, put a nail in the wall or build up a bed, anything, you know, that can help people because I know some people need help. Your posts in Facebook are very popular and that you've started a movement in kindness, at least within this community. Well, if, if I did that, I'm really happy about it. I mean, I had people who stepped forward and offered their help to help me help people, which I think is great. Uh, so far, I managed to, you know, handle everything on my own. And again, I feel healthy and strong enough so I can do it. I feel weird uh, giving other people responsibilities. I tell them, you know, go pick up that laundry day and do that. I don't know if they, you know, they offer their help, but I'm, I, don't, I don't know them. So I'm not sure they're cool with taking a risk and, and doing it. So as long as I can, you know, handle my customers <laughs> on my own, uh, that's what I'm doing. The biggest risk of the coronavirus is obviously coming in contact with someone who's infected. What precautions are you taking to make sure that you stay safe and healthy? Um, well, I'll be honest, I've, I've been in contact with uh, people who, who got infected and got sick, who recovered. I have a few people I deliver to who are scared to come out, who are forced to stay in quarantine because they were tested positive. Uh, now, now they're good. All of them are recovering. So, uh, you know, I, I, I stay. Usually I don't see people, you know, I drop things at their door. They either slide an envelope or say thank you through the door. Or, I, you know, I don't see all the people. Some people, I know them by name. I have no clue what they look like if I see them in the street. So, you know, the few that opened the door, I created, you know, a relationship with them. I, you know, I care for them. I know how much they need me. You know, I have people that are over 90 years old, a couple I'm thinking about that are, the man is very old, very, you know, in poor health. The woman has dementia. I know they don't come out for the last month. 
and someone contacted me asking to go buy food for them because they couldn't go outside and buy food. I was like, wow, how can I say no to that? Of course, I'm going to buy food for them. I have a lot of uh, single mom, you know, I wish I could say single dads, but most of them are single moms who have a kid who are scared to go out and either the kid would catch it and or they would catch it and the kid would end up by himself. So they're just, you know, freaking out. They're like, we're not going out. So I go again, shop and do things for them because it really helps again. Definitely, you're a very brave person. And the greatest reward of service is the ability to serve others and see them happy. But have there been any rewarding or memorable moments in the past few weeks for you? Well, I mean, each moment where I feel the how grateful people are are great moments, you know, and I, I know they really needed me and I provide a service that really helped them. To me, it's priceless, you know. Again, it's, it's not about money. It's not about anything else than caring for people who are not as fortunate as I am to move around, to feel healthy. Uh, yes, I'm scared, you know, to catch it, but I feel like if I don't do it, who's going to do it? You know, I mean, people are like, oh, you're a hero. I don't think so. I think it's just what everybody should do. If you're able to and you feel good, you should do it. It's not, there's nothing heroic about it. You just, I was taught that way. Uh, I needed help and I know what it is to need help. So, I, you know, I, I really feel for these people. I created good relationship with some people who are now like, I consider like friends. I mean, I'm thinking of a woman who has a little boy who offered to make me cupcakes. I thought that was really cool. Some kids give me drawings. People give me food through the door. <laughs> you know, they thank me the way they can. But again, I'm asking for nothing else because to me, it's a way to give back to my community. I live here. I know everybody. I care for everybody. They, all these people, you know, are important people. There's nobody who should be left alone and suffer and be scared and won't be able to go buy food. It shouldn't be this way. And the way I protect myself is, of course, I wear a mask. Since this thing started, I'm wearing a mask and, people, you know, at first people made fun. They were like, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm like, eh, I'd rather wear a mask, you know, so I wash hands a lot. The main thing is not touching my face. I don't touch my face unless my hands just got washed. And I think that's the main thing, unless someone coughs in your face. If you do not put your fingers to your face, the risks you catch it are very small. Now I coach kids and I see they bite their fingers, they bite their nails, they scratch their nose, they poke their eyes, they share balls. So, you know, I know that it's human thing to touch your face a lot. I see people doing it. And today I still see people doing it, like through the mask. I'm like, oh my God, don't do it. This is the worst thing you can do right now is touch your face. That's right. How does your family feel about your service, the service you're providing your neighbors? Uh, well, my son is 17 years old. I think he looks at the whole situation like, what is going on? Where is my world? I want my friends back. Even though he didn't like school, now he's missing it. You see what I mean? You know, we all a bit stressed by the whole situation, but I think they appreciate that I'm, I'm doing something, you know. Keeps me busy, keeps my sanity. and. I don't know. I hope they're happy I'm helping others. Is there anything that concerns you? Anything that keeps you awake at night? Well, I'm, you know, I, again, I have long days. I start very early and I do a lot of biking, a lot of walking, a lot of carrying things. So I sleep like a baby at night. I'll tell you, I'm, I get really tired. Um, I try to not go into the thinking too much of the situation, even though I think we should all know what's going on and information where it's smart to do so. 
I don't want to go in the negative of thinking, oh my God, this is the end and it's all bad. And I'm hoping good things will come out of it, that we'll hopefully learn something out of this. Erwin, you mentioned earlier on that this affected your work. What are you doing to sustain your livelihood? Well, first, when I shut down the club, I decided to keep paying my coaches because they, they don't pay rent with what I pay them. But I know for some of them, it really matters. They live in Queens. They don't have a lot of money. And the club can sustain paying them for a while. So I decided to you know, do that. Uh, for myself, I'm, you know, I'm trying to make a living selling meat. I have a friend in the meat market who's a wall seller, very good quality meat. And I deliver it for him and make a little profit, deliver to people's door. And it's delicious meat. It's cheap and it's at your door. So I think, you know, so far, everyone who ordered, we ordered. So that's always a good sign. I'm also keeping my club going online because I run Zoom classes with the kids. Each coach follows their team. It's good for the kids' morale. It's good for their fitness. The parents are desperate to have these kids doing something. So we each do, I think, two hours a week online. Of course, running the club, there are league meetings. There are you know still operations to run. Uh, I'm also an artist, so I do oil painting and I do fly fishing, which is a passion. I don't make a living with it, but this is my my heaven on earth is to go fly fish in the mountains uh, in the Catskills. Wow. Are your Zoom classes open to kids who are not attending your regular classes? No, those are teams that practice usually year-round that are called travel soccer teams. So the kids are, I would say, advanced in level. So we do advanced fitness, advanced balance exercise, stretching, ball work in small space and things like that. We try to keep it fun, of course, but it's, you know, it's work. Interesting. A lot of people are feeling helpless in the current situation, given the the media and the news that they receive and the fact that they cannot step out of their homes to help others. What is your advice to them? Well, when you watch the news, you understand they feel helpless because the messages are very confusing. They come from all levels of, you know, political people, doctors. You have things on Facebook, Instagram. You have a family reporting things. There's a lot of information going all over the place. I believe if you watch the news too much, it's not good for your moral because there's very few good news right now. They focus on bad news. So that's not how I live. You know, I wake up hoping it's going to be a good day and not thinking it might be a bad day. So that's my personal thing. Uh, I think it's healthy for your health, for your brain to not watch news and try to get too much information. Keep it to the basics. You can find great things on Google. You don't need to watch TV, read newspaper. And I think the less you talk about it and the less you watch everything about it, the better it feels like for your personal mental health. That's how I function. You know, I would tell people, slow down with the information. You're going to go nuts. Relax. That's very useful. Also, you have been out there more than a lot of people have. You've been out there on the streets. You've seen what the city looks like. What is your message to, the, to our listeners? Well, first, I see things that I wish I didn't have to see that reminded me of September 11. You know, when that happened, I went there on the 12th to help clean up and all those things. Uh, the ambience in the street is, you know, ambulances and trucks with bodies in it. You know, 
it's disappointing to find a lot of gloves on the ground and masks and syringe. And there's a lot of, I don't understand why people, you know, throw their garbage like that in the street. It's heartbreaking because you would think in this hard time of hardship, people would be more conscious about it. And they're obviously not. So when I want to be optimistic about the future, when I see this, I don't like it. It's not, it shouldn't happen. So my message to people would be, you know, throw your stuff in the garbage for this sake. And yeah, that would be my main message. And don't, you know, don't watch the news too much. And this is real. This is happening. You know, it's not fake news. It's, it's real. You know, people are dying and it is a scary situation. Thank you, Erwin. What is your hope for the future? Well, my hope for the future is that, you know, my wife finds a job that she enjoys doing, that my son can go to the college he wants to go, and I can go back to kick the ball with kids. That's my hope, uh, to be healthy through the whole thing. Uh, you know, right now it feels like playing Russian roulette. You don't know who's going to catch it, when and where. I think the first thing is to survive it, try to be smart, follow the advice, the health advice, washing hands, wearing gloves, masks, not touching your face, keeping your social distancing, avoiding people. And I'm hoping uh, things will get better. I mean, you know, human nature is to adapt and overcome. So my hope is we will learn from it and maybe change our ways. But I'm worried we will go back to our old, as close to the old normal as we can. We can see like the positive effects of this. COVID-19 on the environment, for example, uh, it should, you know, make everyone aware that we can do it if we make an effort. This forces us to do it. It shouldn't be that way. We should be smarter and not wait for the problem to arrive to say, oh, let's do something about it. We, I'm hoping it's going to wake up everyone, but I'm worried it won't. Do you have a message, especially for the, for the children? <sighs> for the children, I would say, you know, try to be safe and remember what we had before when we could kiss, hug, play together, be together, uh, how we take it for granted. And today we realize how priceless those things are. I'm hoping when this is all over, we'll appreciate little things more and we'll be more helpful to each other. Anyone can help in some way their neighbor or elderly people in their building. It sums up what each one of us wants for ourselves, health, happiness, and stability. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, you too. You know, thank you for having me. And uh, I hope everyone out there stays safe and we'll overcome, you know, we'll, we'll make it, all of us, and we'll be happy again. That's an absolutely lovely way to sum it up. Thank you, Erwin. I hope our listeners enjoyed listening thank to you. this episode of ours. Thank you. Thank you, Anu. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York. Make sure to visit our website, anusenan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks from now.